declares the majesty of our great God. And that is absolutely just phenomenal. You think about the greatness of God. That You look up into the, the stars, or rather the sky, and you see the, the, all the moon, I mean the moon rather, the stars, and, and um, all the majesty and the glory that's there. And then you think about the things you don't see. You can't see the atoms and the neurons. and You know, it's just amazing when you think about the greatness of our God. We serve a mighty, awesome God. And tonight we're going to be talking about prayer and asking God to teach us how to pray over the next uh, few weeks um, so that we can grow more intimate in our relationship with Him in prayer. And what's also amazing is that He listens to us, right? Thank you, God, for that. It's good to have you here tonight, both those who are present. We thank God for your attendance. uh, And those who are online, we praise God for your attendance as well. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Oh, Heavenly Father, creator and sustainer of all life, the maker of all things, give you all the praise, honor, and glory, and thank you for this beautiful opportunity to worship you. And we're thankful, Lord God, that heaven responds to our worship. And though we are but dust, Lord God, you remember our frame, and we thank you for knowing us. We ask, Lord God, that you'll bless our minds, be pure of worldly thought, and help us to focus only on our worship and only on you. We're thankful for Jesus, your great son, who so willingly died on that cruel cross of Calvary that we may live. Help us never to forget to say thank you to you for your greatness and for your kindness in Christ Jesus, our Lord. These things we do pray and thank you in that wonderful, magnificent, most awesome, holy, and precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It be thy will. We pray these things. Amen. We're going to Matthew, Matthew chapter 14. Prayer is the acknowledgement that uh, our need in life is not partial. It's complete. We have this amazing total need of God. So we're going to ask the Lord to teach us how to pray. But let me say this. When we begin in this series and you begin to ask God to teach you how to pray, recognize that sometimes that means that God has to put us in positions where we know we have to pray. We should already know that we have to pray. We need God every moment, every second, every step of the way. Uh, Let's pray to God more than we ever have before. And I pray that that God will, will give us what we need to give us the ability to grow more intimately acquainted with him. When you drive around uh, town, maybe you have one of these, uh, you'll see the bumper sticker, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Pray. That, that's what Jesus would do. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus practiced on a regular and a continual basis. And that tells us something. And I'll tell you in a moment what that, it, what that means to us. Matthew 14, verse 22. And immediately he made the disciples get into a boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the multitude away. And after he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. Mark chapter 1 and verse 35. There, the Bible says, And in the early morning, while it was still dark, he arose and went out and departed to a lonely place and was praying there, like Brother James said, day and night, right? Um, and then Luke chapter 6, and the verse is 12. Uh, the Bible there says, 
And it was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray. And he spent the whole night in prayer to God. If Jesus could not spend uh, a moment in his life, you know, without prayer. In other words, he didn't go a day without prayer. He, he didn't even go hours without prayer. He stayed in prayer. How much do you think our interdependence of prayer uh, of to God has to be? If the Lord Jesus Christ prayed so often to God, you know we need prayer so desperately, right? So desperately. Have you ever had that conversation on the phone with someone and you weren't really sure who they were or maybe you were in their in their presence and you didn't know quite who they were and um and and then it was they walked away and it was kind of awkward. You really know what to say. Unfortunately, that describes some Christians prayer lives. You know, it's kind of awkward cuz you don't really know what to say. And the reason is because we don't really know God the way that we ought to know God. It's that awkward moment. And there should never be an awkward moment in our lives. You know why Jesus prayed all night? Because he had something to say. Right? He knew whom it was he was speaking with. Do we know to whom it is that we are speaking with? Or is that relationship kind of awkward? Right? Look at Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. The disciples of Jesus were watching him, listening to him pray. And in Luke 11 in verse 1, and it came about that while he was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John also taught his disciples. If the Lord Jesus prayed often, Again, I want to say this. How much more should we pray? That was the model, wasn't it? That was the model of Christ Jesus' life. Time spent in prayer. A lot of prayer. And it's not necessarily the length of the prayer. It's about what you say to God. So he modeled for us a dependence on the Father. He modeled for us a dependence of the Godhood. His prayer life and his instruction on prayer. This is, this is found foundational and, and paramount to our relationship with the Lord. Here's what's a, a beautiful blessing. Prayer can be taught. Right? Prayer, how to pray, it can be taught. That's a blessing for each and every one of us. I'll tell you why. Romans 8 and verse 26. Romans 8 and verse 26. See, it's human of us to have uh, some difficulty with prayer. Romans 8 26 says, And in the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness, but we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And so prayer, thank God, can be taught. Let us grow into this deeper, more meaningful, and personal relationship with God in our prayer life. Please turn back to Luke chapter 11. Now I want to look at Luke 11 and Matthew 6 through this lesson um, uh, and the lessons to, to come so that we can gain 
a better understanding of prayer ourselves from this model prayer that Jesus taught for us. Beginning at verse 1, Luke chapter 11. And it came about that while he was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Now turn to Matthew chapter 6 and see the other version of that exact same prayer. Verse 9. Pray then in this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is not the Lord's Prayer. I know it's been, you know, echoed and, and we, we know, I think as members of the church, this is not the Lord's Prayer. And we know that because Jesus never had to ask for forgiveness. So it's not his prayer, right? If you wanted to call a prayer the Lord's Prayer, you go to John 17. But this particular prayer is a model prayer for us to help us in our growth with our God. So, the Lord gave us this same model prayer in Luke that he gave in Matthew. But the one in Luke is a a much shorter version. And the one in Matthew is a little bit longer in the Sermon on the Mount. Now what this tells us is, this prayer is not to be uh, echoed verbatim. Right? You don't just run around saying, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. You know, it's not about that. It's a model prayer for us. It's helping us to learn the steps of prayer. And that's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at the steps or the pattern of prayer. It's not to be verbatim, but rather it has to come from the heart. And you can do that every time you pray, not verbatim, but following the steps of prayer. Look at Matthew 6 and verse 7. There the Bible says, And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetitions as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So it's not about the length of your prayer, right? It's about the content of your prayer. Just because someone prays for a long, long time doesn't mean God's going to hear that person more than he hears another. When we pray, we should focus on two things, okay? Allow this, by the way, to be an introduction to this idea of prayer. Lord, teach us how to pray. We should, we should focus on the Father's purpose, number one. And then secondly, we should focus on the family needs. So look at Luke 11. Luke 11, and let's look at verse 2. This is kind of an overview, if you will, of this idea of prayer. Luke 11 and verse 2. The Bible says, And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Now, in in Matthew's version, we have thy kingdom come, thy will be done. But the point of the first part of your prayer is understanding to whom you are praying to, right? I mean, that means that mindset has to be altered. I'm not just talking to a human. 
not just talking to some person or some, I'm talking to the creator of the universe. And so his name is to be sanctified or, or hallowed, if you will, separate from all else. And so when we approach God in prayer, be careful how you approach God in prayer, right? That's kind of the start. Again, allow this to be just, just an intro. Now, the Hebrew parallelism, when he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, is basically one and the same. Is that man would become in complete and total submission to our God. The second part of our prayer is praying to God, uh, if you will, for our family needs. That will be our, our provision, our pardon, and also our, our protection or deliverance from sin, which is also part of protecting me from me. Right from my own uh, desires and inner innermost wants, those things that I crave that I ought not. Verse three and verse four. Look at the pronouns now. We go from the Father to us, our and we. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And this shows that our prayer must go beyond self. Right? Prayer has to go beyond self. That's that selfless life that we live. Our prayer goes beyond thinking about me. I want to show you a pattern. Turn to Mark, please. uh, Chapter 12. There's a great connection, it's a spiritual connection, in the entire Bible regarding prayer. And, and I want to show you this. The, the new law uh, was given uh, by Jesus. And, and listen to Mark 12 and verse 28. One of the scribes came and heard them arguing and recognized that he was answering them well. Asked him, what commandment is the foremost of all? Jesus answered, the foremost is here, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The first is to love God. The second is to love our neighbor. Well, think about that in prayer. The first is God. The second is our neighbor, right? And we we have to love our neighbor to truly love ourselves. We have to love ourselves to love our neighbors properly. But first, it must be that we love God. Well, think about this, the law of Moses. We learn that God is the foremost when we're thinking about that particular law. When we think about praying for others... um, We need to learn to love ourselves and then follow the same pattern you even find in the Ten Commandments. The first four commandments are all about God. Our relationship to God and the second commandments, the six, are to others. Ourselves and others. How do we spend time in our relationship with others? Prayer and the commandment place. God must be first. And then after we have it right with God, then you add others, right? 
You can't add others first and not have God right. God has to be right first before you can add self or others. But notice, in prayer, what do we automatically know that we're going to do? What does God know that we're going to do? Dear God, please help me. I sprained my pinky toe. You're going to think about yourself always, right? So instead, God teaches us, I want you to remember to pray for others in your prayer. You know what that means? When you're ready to pray to God, get your mind right because you've got to spend some time in your prayer. See? You gotta think about that, right? I gotta think about other people, so when I'm going to pray to God, I have to remember, I have to spend time in my prayer. I'm first gonna pray to the Father, and I'm gonna spend time in that, right? Tender time, important time. And then, I gotta remember to pray for others, so I have to spend time in that. Important time. You know, you're never gonna forget yourself. <laughs> right? We're selfish. We will never forget self. How many times have you had to go back in prayer and say, oh, by the way, Lord, I forgot to pray about me, <laughs> right? But I know I've had to go back in prayer and go, oh, what was I? I forgot to pray about so-and-so, right? We're not going to forget about, about self. So there's this consistent pattern in the Scriptures. Go back to Matthew, please, chapter 6. And this pattern in prayer is God and everything about God right first, and then others, and then you have to include yourself. Now, public prayer is great. There's no question about it. But like when we teach our young folks to pray, just tell them all you're doing is you're going up there if you're in a public prayer. You're just praying for what you're about to do, and then you end your prayer. This isn't the time for showmanship, right? This is not what this is about. This is the time to come pray what you're praying for, and then end your prayer and go sit down, right? Because this is, this is public prayer. It's your private prayer that we're talking about more so tonight. Your private prayer. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 6, beginning at verse 5. And when you pray, you are not to be as the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and on the street corners in order to be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. You've got to have that inner prayer. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the long prayer. I'm just saying, make sure you're praying for what you're supposed to pray for and about. And it's not a showmanship type relationship with others. We know that God sees and hears our prayers in our innermost chambers, or if you will, in the heart. Not a public prayer. This private prayer to our God. Here's what we know. Turn to Proverbs chapter 15. We know that when you pray to God earnestly and honestly, God loves our prayers. He loves it. Imagine walking into your home and um, you're, you're, as a husband, you're in trouble with your wife. And I, I can only imagine this because I'm never, it wouldn't be me, right? Um, but imagine that the two aren't on speaking terms, a husband and a wife. How long can you go in that relationship without speaking to each other before you start doing damage, right? God doesn't want us to allow time to come between our relationship in prayer with him. And so the Bible tells us in Proverbs 15 and verse 8, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. 
God does not want His children to allow too much time to go through, out your day, to go through you where you're not talking to Him. You know what that does, right? You extend an open invitation to Satan. Because how quickly it is for us to begin to believe that we can do it on our own. How quickly it is for us to believe that we've got this covered. You know, I got this, I'm good. (laughs) How many times have we seen in the Bible that just doesn't work out too well, does it? Right? Turn to Psalm 34. Spending time in prayer to God. Number one, it is preparatory. You have to prepare your mind to pray to God. But you've got to pray to God often as well. Thinking about God, meditating on God's Word, and in a relationship with God that's beautiful. I can't wait to say something to God. Again, it's not the length of your prayer. It's the content of your prayer. Psalm 34 in verse 15. The Bible says, The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and His ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the memory of them from the earth. God's eyes and ears are open to us. He's listening to us. Verse 17, The righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. God is listening to us. Now, here's a really hard concept. It's a Bible doctrine. It's a hard one for Church of Christ members, members of God's body. It's a hard one for Christians to accept. But it's Bible. And that is this. There is a special privilege that God gives to His children alone. And that special privilege is prayer. Use that special privilege from God given to you. We often say, well, you know, you go to the world and, and you, you ask the world to pray for you. Why are you doing that? We're supposed to, sometimes we don't understand that we're separate from the world. We have surrendered to God and God is, is, is with us now and in us. He's not in the world. You pray for them. It's just like the Old Testament principle when he talked to Israel. God said, you may loan to other nations, but you're not to borrow from them. Right? The Lord will take care of you. It's the same idea with our prayer life. This relationship with God is special and unique to God's children and to God's children alone. That includes children. That includes, uh, uh, you know, who are not reached the age of accountability. That, that includes those who are born with birth defects and neuro, neurological problems. And we're not talking about, about that. But we're talking about this special, intimate relationship with our God. Let me show you a few passages. To clarify that. Back to Romans, please. Chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. There are two reasons why non-Christians cannot pray. Now, I can give you a bunch of other reasons, but I just want to get, I want to start with just two. Okay? Number one. Verse 26. In the same way, the, the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, God, right? That's God, the Holy Spirit. Also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to His will or the will of God. Notice who the Spirit intercedes for. Christians. It doesn't say the world. 
Christians. So if you try to tell me that someone in the world has a privilege of prayer to God, I would say there's a problem with that because the Holy Spirit intercedes for Christians, not for the world. You might say, well, you know, preacher, give me more, all right? John 14. John chapter 14, and look, if you will, at verse 15. Listen to what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. John 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not behold him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. The world cannot receive the Holy Spirit. Only Christians. You receive the Holy Spirit when you're baptized into Christ. So stop asking the world to pray for you. You pray for them. Right? We have the special privilege of prayer. We have God with us and in us. We have that special gift from God. Go to John 9. Again, very difficult. Christians, uh, uh, some Christians have a really hard time acknowledging that. And someone asked me the question one day. They said, well, wait a minute. If God doesn't hear the prayers of, of sinners or the world, then, then well, I mean, and then, you know, how do you explain this? And how do you explain that? That's not for me to explain. I can only tell you what the Bible says. Right? God is good to everyone. There's a reason for that. John 9 and verse 31 We know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is God-fearing and does His will, He hears Him. Now, either we're going to just kind of throw those scriptures away, or we're going to believe them. Right? And why wouldn't, turn to Isaiah 59, I know you're very familiar with this one, why wouldn't God hear sinners? Well, He tells us why. Verse 1 and verse 2 of Isaiah 59. Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short, that it cannot save, neither is his ear so dull that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. So God does not hear the prayer of sinners, because sinners have chosen, the world has chosen to live without God. So God says, so be it. But when you come to God and surrender your will, for God's will or to God's will. When a, a person of the world comes to God and surrenders their life in total submission to God, God hears their prayers through the blood of Jesus that washes their sins away. Proverbs 28 and verse 9. Listen to what the Bible says. He who turns away his ear from listening to the law, even his prayer is an abomination. So imagine that now. You're out trying to tell folks about the Lord. And they say, well, I'm not ready for that yet. And then you tell me, what, you're going to leave the room and say, well, just pray, you know, just pray, pray for me. <laughs> Why would you? That's an abomination to God. You don't turn your ear away from God. You don't reject God. But sometimes we treat the alien sinner, the person in the world, as if they're just as special and unique to God as his children are. They're not. Again, the Bible says, He who turns away his ear from listening to the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Chapter 15 of Proverbs, and the verse is 29. The Bible says, The Lord is far 
from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. This is that incentive. You want to talk to some folks about the Lord? Start, you, you eventually cross this bridge, you know, and help them to realize you, you do know that as you have chosen to distance yourself and separate yourself from the Lord, you have taken away your opportunity to pray to God. So instead what happens is, when you leave that Bible class, they say to you, pray for me. And that's the gift. That's the gift that the child of God has. Use that gift in a way that brings glory and honor to God. Lord, teach us how to pray. Brethren, we're going to continue with this this lesson and strive to understand more of Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 11 to understand what it is that God wants us to do in our prayer. What does this model prayer really actually mean? How can it help me? And I pray that this lesson will help you in your prayer life. It tremendously helped me when I studied it to learn how to pray. Tonight, if you're not a Christian, we encourage you to become one to surrender to God in the waters of salvation. After having heard his word and believed it, willing to repent of your sins, confess his name before men, be baptized, immersed in water for the remission of sins. If we can help in any way, in a moment we're going to sing a song, we invite you to contact us. Contact us with the information that's on the board or the person that invited you on to this particular um, uh, line tonight. We invite you to come. God bless each and every one of you. Thank you for your time.